You're listening to Fox on the Wire podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hope everybody is well. I just wanted to chuck in a quick intro before we get into today's episode. Uh, Today was a big, big step forward for this podcast. Uh, Today will be my first international podcast. So traveling across the Pacific Ocean uh, via Skype all the way from Melbourne to Nashville, which is just uh, crazy. So um, special guest today is Todd Berman, who is originally from Melbourne, but we'll get into all that during the podcast. But yeah, he's over in Nashville now, kicking ass over there. So um, I just wanted to thank him before we get into today's episode because he he was a wealth of knowledge, as you'll find out as you listen through, and uh, he was very forthcoming with a lot of experiences that he's been through, and it was just fantastic to talk to him and to listen to. So I think you'll get a lot out of today's episode, um, and we're going to get him back on the podcast probably in a few months. So. If uh, you know, he said he's happy to take some questions from the from the listeners. You know, just uh, what life is like over there in Nashville, or uh, you know, what the music seems like. Any specific questions? So, if you do have any specifics, uh, you can email them through to me at uh, foxonthewire at gmail dot com, and um, we'll keep those handy when we get Todd back on in a few months, hopefully. So. Uh, let's get into it. Thanks again, Todd, for all your time. Um, we spoke for about three hours on air and off air as well, so it was just awesome. Um, so let's get into it. Todd Berman, everybody. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fox on the Wire. Today is a extra special episode because I'm speaking with someone on the other side of the world, uh, speaking with Mr. Todd Berman from Nashville via Skype. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me, my friend. No worries. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Lovely to chat with you. You too, brother. How cool is this that we can uh, chat from the other side of the world uh, via Skype? (laughs) Yeah, it's unreal, isn't it? It's like, it is. I'm like, sure. Yeah, man. No, it's great. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing all about Nashville. So, um, currently, your main project is the White Wolves. Yeah, the White Wolves. Yeah, it's myself and. my uh, my best mate Chuck uh, Charles Feltner Chuck for short you know you, if you're a Charles you're a Chuck you know um, we've been doing that for I don't know close to two years um, yep. and it's just you know he sort of got me back into writing because I hadn't written for a while and okay. we had mutual friends and we started hanging out and then just became best buds and he sort of asked me to you know he's like why aren't you writing anymore and I just sort of lost the zest for it a little bit. You yep. know, when you're not hungry to do something and we literally started writing and it was immediate. It was cool. just straight away. Um, and, you know, literally the first single, which was, I think, 2018, uh, maybe August, September, when we released that, that's the first song we ever wrote together. Yep. And okay. We're just trying to figure each other out, figure out each other's writing styles. Um, we're very different. Uh, he's super visual. You know, and right. he's, you know, I'm more like, I don't know, like I heard once said some describe Australians like, like to feel it, you know, like I'm like more of the soul and the feeling and how it makes me feel. And he's like, he sees it in like colors and visualization. And so it's a good yin and yang that works. 
Yeah, well, that's another yeah. talent in itself, isn't it? Seeing the whole visual thing and um, especially when it comes to videos and, you know, artwork and that sort of thing. He could do it. Like, I, I just don't know how he does it. He'll just be like, oh, I see us doing this and every video we've ever done, he just is like, oh, this would be really awesome. I'm like, great, let's go with it. You know, <laughs> yeah, cool. anything visual or artwork, I'm like, not me. You know, that's that's not my strength at all. Cool. Must be nice to share the... I guess the workload and the creative, the creative workload, you know, all the, you got the songwriting aspects and then, yeah, you got the visual stuff as well. You know, sometimes that's hard to do all that yourself. I find that a little bit difficult on my end being a solo artist. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's, you know, the team of people around you and people talk about that, but I think especially in the music industry, people don't focus on how important that is. If someone's strength is, visuals and artwork then just back them in yeah you know if if someone's really good with the social media let them do it yeah you know and i guess the difference for chuck and i is that um you know we've got we've got great manager we've got a great producer we've you know he can he can do his strengths and i can do mine you know like i'm I'm more of a business head you know and it's different because it's just the two of us and the whole concept of the project is just doing singles and having people come in and work with us. Whether it's, yeah, so you, yeah, sorry. Whether yeah. We, yeah, we write the song and someone comes in and we, we have a bunch of artists feature. So it's very much a community art-based way of doing things yeah. where it's like leave your ego at the door because it's what's best for the song. Cool. Yeah, that's and, really good. And some people have just had some great, you know, great ideas that you're like, oh, my God, I never would have thought about that. And Mm. it's just him and I, and if we're writing a song, it's what we are inspired by. And if someone comes in and the the song completely changes, great. Like our last single, we were, you know, really walked in with a really strong idea and we had Joe West do it here. He's an incredible, credible producer, engineer, writer, mixer, and he really pushed us on the last song. Uh, mm. I won't be around last year and he was like you guys need that's a great thing about Nashville is like people are so great with lyrics and stories and defining oh. what you're talking about he's like look I love where this is going but what exactly are you talking about right now mm. he's like oh, I, I get it but I want it to be defined to the point where you're like I I hear it and I, I hear the so- even see the song title and go I know what that song's about yeah, cool. So you get a different singer for every song, is that right? Every song, yeah. Every song is yeah. a different singer. So different singer because, you know, I'll always do the rhythm guitars, some colour guitars. Chuck will always play bass. And then we have yep. different singers, different drummers. On the last, you know, record, uh, the last single we had, Greg Marrow play drums. He's renowned as one of the greatest session players in Nashville. We had Charlie Judge on the keys. We had Mike. Pain do all the leads and guitars and man the color that people bring when you're not attached to being like i did that it's yeah. unbelievable i hardly yeah. played guitar on the last single like i hardly right. played like I, <laughs> okay. I hardly played on it because mike was the right guy for the song yep so it's just not being you know like it doesn't matter who does what because it's about mm-hmm. the art and i think that's right. what it's a lot about what works with the project is that we just want the best for the song and the best people, you know, we, we met the last 
singer Ryan Steele, who's in phenomenal talent, you know, his girlfriend did the makeup for our first video. Then she's like, hit up Chuck because I was out on the road. And, the, you know, she's like, my boyfriend's doing a Kickstarter. Do you want to come down? And Chuck went in and saw this guy sing and videoed it and sent it to me going, I've got the singer on the next song. Sweet. Just so you just going, sort of leave it to leave it to chance in a way for the future future songs, see who you come across and yeah, like what you hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, you know, the, the, the universe will go, this is who you're meant to be working with. This is what it's meant to be. And just don't fight it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And fast forward a year, I was at a we've just finished writing the next bunch of songs and we're really like we needed a it was a it's a it's a true duo where there's a guy and a girl singing on it and we're like, who's gonna be the girl? And one of our my dear friends here, Dale Harper, was just having a house party and yep. his fiance's friend came over who was like I was floored. I was sitting there going, how am I in a house? <laughs> watching this girl play guitar and sing that destroys yep. everyone else I've seen. Like, destroys. <laughs> like, yeah. she kills me on guitar. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, you were like, like, you've got that jazz classical training where she's doing mo- phrasing and movements I don't think I'd ever seen. Mm, okay. And then singing at the same time and then, you know, like the leave it to chance thing and then a week later they sing this song together that we demoed and we're like, it's like they're married vocally. It's so crazy, you know, yeah. and she's just such a talent. Megan McCormick, such an incredible talent. And, you know, you get on, on a song together, you're like, how did this happen? You know, like well, how is this being right now? You know, the universe brought it together, yeah, I, as you said. <laughs> leave it, leave it to it, you know? Yep. So uh, with the vocalist, obviously you guys sort of probably write the chunk of the song to start yep. with. Um, yep. Do you leave it to the lyricist, whoever you choose, to then write the lyrics? It can be – the way we've done it so far has been that Chuck and I have written the song, uh, structured the song, melodies, lyrics, and then quite often say we, the last single, I Won't Be Around, when we work with Joe West – he came in and wanted to rewrite the chorus. So he rewrote the chorus with us. Okay. You yep. know, and really defined some, you know, some lyrics where you're like, oh, that's, I think a lot of the time is some people are like, I don't know what you are. I'm, I like am drawn to the music and the sounds and the emotion first. Some yep. people are drawn to lyrics. Mm. I don't know what you're drawn to. I'm, I'm not a guy that I'm not drawn to the lyrics until I'm drawn into the emotion. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it can work both ways. Yes. Yeah. It's weird, uh, but, you know, even friends that, you know, you, you're talking about songs, they'll send you a, a link to a song and they're like, listen to these lyrics. Even if the song isn't like something you, you are drawn to musically, you're like, oh, those lyrics are incredible. You're yeah. like, I can hear the hurt in those lyrics, you know? Mm. Yeah, that probably doesn't happen as often as being drawn into the song emotionally, like what you were saying. Yeah, right. It's crazy. You know, it's yeah. it, it, it's so, you know, a friend of mine sent me a song today and she's like, listen to this. And yep. she's like, I know it might not be your thing, but listen to the lyrics. So I yep. can sort of feel what they were feeling. And lyrics are, you know, 
I think if you write the truth with the lyrics, great. And then if someone comes in and they're working with us and mm. they're like, hey, guys, what about this? We're like, okay, great. Well, you know, the old saying, change a word, get a third. You know, because a lyric line or changing a song title can really change the song. Yeah, for sure. We've had our manager sit there and we've gone through and, like, gone through, okay, here's all our new songs. And she's like, you know what? If you worked on redefining a couple of things, she goes, as a woman listening to this song, when I hear that first line, I'm like, oh, my God. And she's like, but then that third line, I'm sort of confused. So it's great to have people to tell you, hey, if you really define some things here, I think that you Mm. could really affect people. Mm. women love lyrics, Craig. They love <laughs> right? yeah. Because women, you know, right. they are so like, oh, my God, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Where guys can be on the dance floor, like, you know, you know, playing air guitar and air drums, you know. <laughs> yeah. like, Just it, mad, madly headbanging, not even yeah, listening right? to the words. Yeah, and then women <laughs> are sitting there just like looking at their girlfriend being like, I told you he was no good for you. Listen to this uh, lyrics, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, look as a as a lyricist, sometimes you you think every line has to be really important and really spot on, which it does have to be to an extent. But sometimes it only takes one line from the listener to just take that line in, and that that line means the whole song to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you try and get every line perfect, but sometimes. It's just that one line that really sticks out to people. They grab it and um, they really take that on board and that means everything to them. Yeah, and I think that's that. it's that fine line of not writing it about yourself and writing yeah. it about for the person that's the listener. Mm. You can take a personal experience, yep. write that melody that connects with you to find the lyric and then sort of be like, if I was listening to this, would I listen to it and go, it's, it, it would stop me dead in my tracks if I heard that and be like, oh, my God, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that balance, you know, where, you know, I'm not a huge, like, I think there's just the most incredible pop writers, but I'm just not a fan of putting seven people in a room trying to fill a hook and fill every little line and space. Yeah. I'm like, let it breathe. You yeah. know, let me hear like the blood out of the pen. Like, let me hear the hurt. Let me, you know, it's like when you what pick a song, pick an Adele song, pick, uh, you know, an early Nirvana song where you're just like, oh my God, mm. you know, just having that like soul in it and that like, don't take the emotion out. That's like, that's so important. That's something that I resonate so highly with is like I want to hear it and just like be flawed and just be like, oh, my God, like this is hurting me hearing it, you know. Yeah. I, I miss that so much. And it's not like, mm. oh, when I grew up these songs, it's more just like I miss just hearing emotion, you know. Do you think um, like it's obviously like what you said, you know, you got seven songwriters in the room trying to each have their two cents, but do you think like with pop music, especially um, it's the audio production that sucks a bit of the life and emotion out of those songs, like the overproduction almost, or. It, 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 it depends what style, you know, like mm. 
hip hop's got a certain sound that everyone's drawn to and works, and that's amazing. I'm a huge pop guy. I love pop yep. music. Like if um, uh, it, which Ariana Grande song it is, you know, I'm so into you, I can barely breathe. That song. If you there's a masterclass, you've ever watched the Rick Beato YouTube videos where he no. does behind the song. He gets like the master of this, the Pro Tool session and solos everything. Oh, wow. And, and you've got to watch it. I, 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 forgive me for not knowing the title, but that Ariana Grande song, it's a masterpiece in production. It's right. a masterpiece where like Max Martin stuff has just got so much. Like you're like the vocal performances are like always incredible. Mm. You know, I think if it's just the sterile thing, you know, where it's just like, how much can we squeeze? Sometimes like the old less is more sort yep. of approach. But um, mm. I, I think it's a combination of the production and honestly, man, it just comes down to the vocal delivery. Yeah. If you play something acoustic and someone's just doing it and you hear it, you're like, oh, my God, I, I, I wow. It's still you know, a good song when you strip it back. Exactly. You can just be playing something and be like, oh, my God, I'm so drawn to that, you know, just yeah. on its own, bare, and you can hear the emotion. And you can still hear the emotion in, in that pop production, you know. Yep. And I think, like, with the new stuff, like Billie Eilish stuff, it's because it's so different, you know what I mean? Mm. And yep. it's raw. Yep. It's not over – I think they're calling it bedroom pop now, but right. it's so incredible. When I saw her do that bad guy – performance on saturday night live where the the room moves mm. have you seen that no no i haven't seen it oh you have to youtube it it's like her doing bad yeah. guy on saturday night live and it's All like right. the performance and the like the emotion in it is just like she's like a young little angry you know like she's got that grunge in her yeah right you know when you heard like cornell sing or like blind melon or that whole you know, when we were growing up, when you're like, mm. people dress differently. Yep. You know, there's a little bit of her in that. There's a little, I just see grunge in her. Like, and there's, um, I think that's why people are drawn to it because I think it's emotion. And I think that everyone that's listening to it is like, I, I get it. You know, well, there's incredible well, talent, but there's emotion attached to it, you know? Yeah, okay. I'll have to check her out because didn't she just sort of clean up at the Grammys? Was it the Grammys that she just yeah. won a whole bunch of awards? Yeah, I think she took four or five out. Yeah, right. How old is she? She must be early 20s 18. or something. 18. Oh, 18 or 19. <laughs> That's crazy. She signed to Interscope and her mm. and her brother like spent a couple of years like developing that sound. And, and that's right. the other thing. It's like something that's sort of missing from current music world is a and r like time to develop time yep. to make a mistake like go out and do that record and you know there's so many artists back even before we were born that that did a record and it was their third record that hit big mm. and then they just had this monstrous career where it's now like a, a single playlist society which i yep. love it's like bring your best game you know yep. like or you know get out and i i think that's you know with the market being flooded i think that's great that you can just constantly create constantly put out and release new songs whether it's hey we've just recorded this song have a listen or here's an yep. acoustic version two weeks later like you have the ability to do that you know yep. and 
people are still getting discovered on SoundCloud. You know, like there was a, a Rick Rubin podcast where he was talking about discovering someone on SoundCloud that had right. 300 plays. Right. Who he then went on to produce. Well, wow. it's, you know, it's crazy. I just, yeah, I mean, they're just, that's, that's wild that that still happens, you know, like letting. So, how did, of- how did that get put in front of him, though? Like, how did he come across that? Did someone send it to him, or is he just on there literally yeah, trolling around? I just heard it on a podcast, but I know, like, you know, I don't know how many of our fine country folk back home listen to the Bob Left Sets podcast or on his email. Mm. Um, if you're not, do it. Listen to his podcasts, read his emails, the depth that he goes into the industry stuff. And he'll be like, hey, I've got this interview. You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, he interviewed Desmond Child. Oh, right. Yep. You know, and the, you know, just listening to like his upbringing, like learning from the greats. Yep. You know, if you want to be like Max Martin and be the best pop producer, study everything he's ever done. Yeah. You know, or like listening to Desmond Child, he, you know, the guy that he learned his craft under was talking about the concept of having the idea walking in and the tension mm-hmm. of opposites. Where on this podcast, he talks about, say, you give love a bad name, where love's a positive, good, wonderful thing, but it's a bad name. So it's the tension of opposites that creates that sort of dichotomy in it that's just fascinating, you know, like. Yeah. You know, like listening to all that stuff, it's just, I mean, I just, it gets me going. I'm just like, oh, I'm fascinated by learning. And like, we have all that information. You, Rick Rubin can find someone on SoundCloud. You can listen to a podcast. You can not know anything about logic and go online and learn it for like either next to nothing free or like $20 for a couple of months. So it's all at our fingertips, isn't it? Man, you want to learn the piano go to playground sessions, which Quincy Mm. Jones, the best producer of all time developed. Harry Connick Jr. is one of the teachers. Right. I think it's like $10 a month. So what, why can't you play piano? You know, Mm. or you want to learn guitar. Do you know how many courses there are online? Like there's jam play, you know, they've got like, uh, like Tim, I think it's Tim Reynolds. I can't remember. Tim Stewart. That's Lady Gaga and Rihanna's playing teaching rhythm playing. The course was like $48. Bargain. That, that you own, yeah, bargain. <laughs> that you own for your life. Why wouldn't you go and yeah. learn? Why wouldn't you yeah. You have the ability? It's at your fingertips, you know? Well, you're probably similar to me, but when I was growing up learning guitar, you know, we didn't quite have the online thing in YouTube and all that yet, but, you know, we'd no. buy guitar tabul- tablature books. Um, yeah. And... I, I was a subscriber to the magazine Guitar World, which had, you yeah. know, maybe four or five or six tabs every month. Um, and I'd hang yeah. out for that stuff. So I've still got that pile of magazines in the garage. Um, oh, you know, that was I'm all very valuable. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to chuck those out. Never. Um, you cannot get rid of the Guitar World. Nah. It's like the physical media and the CDs and and cassettes you're like whatever you keep your vinyl it's like vinyl in those old magazines you're like yeah you know he's planting page on the cover in 95 and you're yeah. like i'm never throwing that out no way as you a know, matter of fact i'm going to put that in a frame and i'm going to put it on the wall right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, and because it's classic it's, 
We had to learn. You know, when Tab came out, it was like a game changer. It's like when they yep. went from analog to digital. And you yep. look at it now, you can set up a badass recording studio in your house for three to yeah. 5000 You can buy Contact Complete for seven dollars $800. You can buy Omnisphere for $500. You can, you know, go to Splice and get all the sounds Yep. that you need and just let your imagination run wild and just have a good door, you know, Logic, Ableton, Pro Tools, whatever you prefer, you know, mm. you know, some form of outboard, whether it's an Apogee or Universal Audio, whatever it is, a good mic and you can record. Yep. And then put it on SoundCloud or do it through TuneCore and it's out there. And then Rick Rubin comes across you and the rest is history. <laughs> but that's crazy, you know, like yeah. people, still, people still want, to find things yeah you know, it's like i was there was an interview about uh, there was some sort of article link that i came across with like the new the best new grammy artists and my dear friend la uh she's been friends with ashley mcbride for forever and a day and you know they you know they used to sit here and write you know those all those girls are like watching her, you know, three years ago wasn't signed, going and getting this mm. best new Grammy thing, but had been wow. running around Nashville for 10 years trying to make it, you yeah. know. And then there's just this endless sea of things that you can discover, you know. it's I, People want to discover new things. Yeah, you know, true. What's the last band that you went, oh, my God, I love this? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, actually, the White Wolves because, uh, you know, listening i've been following you for a while and um yeah. you know you've been dropping the odd single here yeah. and there and um obviously leading up to this podcast i wanted to get more familiar and i've yeah. had uh, your first single burning it down kind of stuck in my head for a little while so thanks yeah. for that oh you're welcome oh, <laughs> it's I'm a great track like it. yeah you know, that's like but that's just two people getting together and writing that never really had written and that's someone that was like hey let's you should be writing you know, yep. I, I didn't think I'd written in maybe a year and a half, to be honest with you, maybe wow. two years. I, I can't remember because I was sort of burnt out from like working for other people and, you know, working on other songs and producing for them. And I just sort of got to the point where I'm like, I just, you know, I needed to step away and get hungry again. Yeah. And, yes. and, and you know, that song was just really, that was our first song. And then there was still that rock element, like that sort of yep. Tom Petty meets the Foo Fighters vibe. Yep. And then, you know, we went to the next single, which is really about making a statement about the political and social social climate of where we are the last three, four years. And then the last one was really, the last single was more truly about an experience where Chuck and I had had long, long-term relationships end and we really wanted to say, you know, that's it. And that's what we really connected with, you know, our, like our sort of past colliding and being like, so crazy we've become friends and we've got a similar story and let's write about it. And now yep. all the new stuff that we've just written, man, I've, oh, it's, it's hard. To, if you asked me to rewrite or do another record right now, I probably couldn't because yep. we put so much, like the barest part of our souls into writing these new songs that you, I, you just, it's really tough, you know, to even sort of go back and listen to them right now, you know, it's, right. So difficult, but putting in your, your heart and soul into it, you know, and we've hardly been able to release a lot of songs just purely because of my schedule the last couple of years with work. So it's been tough to sort of balance it. You know, I've yep. come off the road 
and then maybe have three or four days off still trying to do my job, but then going in, working in the studio for three days, doing music video, doing a bunch of interviews and a photo shoot and then getting back on the bus and going again. So, right. so now well. we've been able to just sort of sit back, write a new record and it's, you know, more something that will release the songs can still as singles, but okay. it's definitely a new sound. It's definitely a brand like burning it down. Still had that rock element. Revolution yep. was very sort of had that, you know, sort of, I don't know, you know, Muse meets 30 seconds to Mars meets, punk or whatever it ended up being. And then the last song was totally inspired by like Hall and Oates and Al Green. And, mm. you know, we had the caliber of players in Nashville play on that, that can create that blue note sort of sound. Yep. Um, Cause you know, I, uh, you know, I sure as shit can't play lead guitar like that, you know? Oh, I, was, but, I thought that was you on guitar playing that. No, nah, man, that's Mike nah. Payne. That's, that's ah, Mike. And cool. we really, you know, I love Hall & Oates so much and I love yep. the, the songwriting craft that they're so excellent at. But, you know, that lead line where it's da 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 yep. like I, he just got that. He just did that straight away and we're like, great, you know, perfect. <laughs> That's I it. mean, I could play it, but it was, you know, yeah. he came up with that part to add to the song. You yep. know, he, he was the colour machine on that song, you mm. know. Yeah, it's a great track too, but yeah, totally different to burning it down. Yeah. And then, you know, Ryan, who's, you know, Ryan sort of ended up being like a collaborator with us as well. He's, mm. you know, one of the new songs he's co-written with us and we're going to, there's a couple of songs that we're still sort of working through that um, Ryan's going to come in and, you know, finish the writing process with us because we feel really, really comfortable with Ryan yeah. um, and he's got great ideas, you know, okay. um, so that's that's important, you know. Like I said, the whole point of giving the song the best chance, mm -hmm. um, and you know he's meant to be finishing these songs. So there's like a whole. I mean, I can't even describe the new songs, the sounds. They're very, they're very cinematic soundscape, um, ethereal. Like there's going to be way more production elements, like way more keys and strings and textures and colors yep. very visual you know and that's what chuck is so excellent at like he's like oh i hear it like this and that and i'm like yep. okay great you know um yep. so trying to create a, a soundscape to it um cool. but the opposite of burning it down which is the whole point that we don't have we're not going to write 10 burning it downs we're not going to write 10 yep. i won't be arounds we're going to write one of each of them yeah there'll be maybe a commonality that you can hear it's us maybe at some point but it's truly about the art. Like, so mm. once, uh, you know, if you play single two to single eight, they're not going to sound like the same artist. But like I said, it's a single playlist reality now. So what does it yeah. matter? Yeah. What yeah. does it matter if, you know, everyone's like, go and write this record and 10 songs all sort of sound the same. Like, I don't really, why does that have to be like that? Says who? Yeah. You can do whatever you want, really. If you wanted to go and do a, a, a blues, three track blues EP, you can Mm. You know, if you yep. want to do like a broken down cover of a song, you can. If you want to do a pop song with a, a loop pedal and your voice, like a yep. Matt Corton style thing, go and do it. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you've yeah. got it, everything at your fingertips, you know. So I just think that like, I just think it's like a new era where I think it's the whole industry is going to change drastically in the next couple of years. 
I, I just see it going, like, especially with, like, the Billie Eilish thing, I think people are going to get back into, like, just bleeding those lyrics and emotion into the song. You know, I, I just, I think we've had the same sounds for so long. When's the last sound that, you know, there was that early 2000s sound with, like, the third eye blinds, mm. you know, that sort of sound, and then there was the new metal. and New metal, you know, yeah. Ugh. And then, you know, it sort of went <laughs> hip-hop and pop, and it's been like yeah. that for 12, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even, you know, back in, when God, when was it, like, 08 or something, you know, doing a record with Rick Parisher, you know, who's the godfather of grunge, talking about emotion, mm. you know, God rest his soul. And, you know, just he was always like things go in cycles. It's mm. cyclic, you know, it's like every seven years, I believe he's he's saying, was well, seven to ten years, things just change, mm. you know. And it's been the same, like, you know, that whole EDM thing sort of is not what it was. Yep. You know, you've got so many new artists that might have a pop element, but it's really there's some great melodies and lyrics again. You know, there there really is like, and you you know, you go out and see all the tours. There's just so many of it. There's yeah. so many talented hip hop artists, but like Tyler the Creator, like you watch. Do you see you sing on the Grammys? No. Oh, bro, you've got to watch it. It's like, <laughs> wow, did he just do that? You know, there's right. just all this talent, but, you know, there's just such a theatrical element to what he did. You know, yep. it's not just someone being on stage and, you know, whoop, whoop, and, you know, I just don't see that doing that in, in you know, you've still got to experience the show. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you remember going to a show at Rod Laver or Maya Music Bowl and, you know, I remember going to Pearl Jam when they came to Australia and, you know, there was like not a riot, but like people pushed down the fence because it was sold out to get into the bowl yeah. to watch Pearl Jam. Like I remember, I was there. I was one right. of those people that like just went for it. I'm <laughs> like, let's go, let's go in and see Pearl Jam. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a concert experience. You yeah. know, like it's an experience when you go live. You know, that's I think what's people are never gonna the not live industry is never gonna go anywhere. You nah. know. You know, whether it's theatre or live music or whatever it is, dance, uh, operas, you know, they're, they're never going to go away because people just love that experience, you know. Yeah, yep, yep. So, um, obviously, you were born in Australia um, yep. and moved moved across to Nash, Nashville. Um, uh, it was via LA. Oh, right, okay. So, you went to LA first. I was in LA for five years. That was probably 09 to 2013. Moved yep. to Nashville 2013, and I'm coming up to seven years this September. Right. And, you know, crazy. If you would have said to me 15 years ago I would have been living in America for 11, 12 years, I would have laughed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, growing uh, up playing the Melbourne music circuit, mm. which at any time I'm home, it just kills me that, you know, the ESPY was closed. Yeah. You know, that some of the greatest talented musicians that I know are doing cover gigs back home. That just, it's, I'm like, what, like, where, you know, I don't know if it started with the Pokies or whatever, or maybe it did, you know, the old Whitlam song, Blow Up the Pokies. Yeah. You know, but we used to go out and watch <clears throat> musicians play and live music, and everyone's like, let's go out for a wine and a glass of food and go home. I'm like, man, here, there is music every night, you know, Broadway is only six blocks and there's probably 
I don't know how many musicians a day playing there. It's hundreds every day, seven days a week, Mm. playing everything. You know, someone will do a three, four hour shift from 10 in the morning till two, and then they'll do the two to six, they'll do the six to 10, and then they'll do the 10 to two. Wow. And you have to play the whole time. So it's not like us growing up playing three 40 minute sets. Yeah, right. You just up there constantly. Constantly. You don't stop. Uh, So someone needs to go to the bathroom, like the bass player will take a lead on a song. There is always a risk. (laughs) Yeah, and there isn't. They're cutting their teeth the way Melbourne musicians cut their teeth growing up. Like I'm so Mm. grateful for growing up in Melbourne and in the scene and, you know, you know, Australians go to a show, fold their arms, come on, impress me, you know, which is a great learning ground. You know, that's what the oils and in excess and everyone did. They cut their teeth doing cover bands and sweating in small bars and clubs and, you know, dealing with drunk lunatics and people (laughs) asking for K-San and, you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, but that's, but it's sad for me now that, you know, the musicians, the young kids don't have that ability to go and do that. You know, there was mm. always a gig you could play. There was always a venue and all those bars and, and, and clubs and then they're either not open or they became like apartment complexes or, yeah. you know, even the SB being open, it's like, oh, my God, it's finally back open. But that was an iconic part of Melbourne music. The amount yeah. of gigs that I saw there that like floored me, you know, yep. whether it's in the front bar, watching nudist funk orchestra, remember that? Yep. Yep. Or, you know, going and seeing, you know, I can't even remember like seeing electric Mary play or, oh, yeah. you know, I remember seeing Tim Henwood do plasticine, you know, mm. like that just when you go to a gig or you'd watch Horsehead in the Gershwin, you know, like those gigs, you know, like, it was such a gift to grow up with that, you know, yeah. now be in a city that's very similar where it's, if it's not cover gigs, it's the touring gigs, whether it's Bridgestone, whether it's Nissan stadium, whether it's the rhyme and the Opry, or then whether it's singer songwriter nights, there's so many singer songwriter nights in Nashville that the legendary writers get up and go and do it in the round and play the songs that they wrote for whoever, Keith Urban, Brad, Brad Paisley, whoever it may be, you know, you know, whoever, Miranda Lambert, well, you know, take your pick of whichever icon, you know. Yep. Um, and you can go and see the actual songwriters sing it. Mm, so, wow. you know, when we grow up and playing in bars and clubs, people mm. would just always talk and didn't give a shit. You know, you're like background noise. You're annoying me. Like just, yep. or, you know, can you play – chisel you know like i'm saying before you go here and i was you know really lucky enough to you know just go and play with an artist who was making a bluebird debut and a manager's like can you just go and do a gig for this awesome young girl from la and got to play the bluebird and the experience of playing the bluebird is incredible because literally it's booked out every night it's a, it's a like this great respect that you get to be and watch, you know, you know, I'm sitting next to the guy that wrote Thomas Rhett's first huge number one song and we're jamming and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to play this song. Like, can you just solo it? And like in an E minor thing while I'm doing it, I'm like, yeah. Sure. And you can hear a pin drop. <laughs> yeah. No one, everyone will do, you will not hear a word while the songwriters uh, play. And yep. it's such a gift to be able to like, 
be a part of that and do that, you know, and, and, and that's what Nashville is. It's yep. all the writers. It's the epicenter of music now, of the entire world. It's out of here, bro. Like, forget everywhere else. Like, it is, it is Nashville. You know, even a that's lot of the managers, you know, William Morris has now got a multi-level office here. Um, you know, like, it's just, it's just huge what this city is now compared to when I first started coming here in 2006. It's incredible. So it's still growing, is it? Dude, this city is like Melbourne Exploding. 25, 30 years ago. Right. There's, well, this is um, so many new buildings, apartments going in yep. every week. Like, I don't even recognise the skyline. It's like seeing Melbourne in the mid-'80s compared to 2020. Yeah. When they didn't have the stadium on the water, they didn't have the docklands, they didn't have all that. You know, yeah, yep. let's build another bridge. Hey, let's, you know, Point Cook with all that housing didn't. It's, yeah. it's like it's the development and the, is 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 it is Melbourne 25, 30 years ago with the music and yep. the art and the culture and, you know, you'd have to, you know, drag me out kicking and screaming to move out of this city. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's the best city, like to live in the people are beautiful. Like the great Southern hospitality and manners, man, manners, like, yes, sir. Miss, no, miss no, those. Never. What's that? We miss those sometimes. Yeah. And that is like, you know, people don't honk their horn there. It's like saying your mother's a, B-I-T-C-H, you know, it's like you don't do that, you know. Yep. So it's a great – it's just the best city. It's the most incredible musicians, yep. the most – just music 24-7, you know. Mm. Great restaurants and bars, but it's like living in Geelong. That's how small yep. it is. It's right. tiny. It's just a tiny city. It's a big, small town, you know. Well, this is why I wanted to, to chat with you because, um, you know, I've been following you for a while. We've been yeah. Facebook friends for a while. Um, yeah. And, like, to me as a musician, but also just as a music fan, Nashville looks amazing. Like, a lot of America, you know, different parts, whether it be Chicago or, or L.A. I mean, that's why yeah. I went to America for a holiday, like, over 10 years ago because I, I read yeah. Motley Crue's The Dirt and yeah. I read about L.A., and, um, you know, we went up to Seattle because of the whole grunge thing. That's why I went there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Nashville is a whole nother, another thing as well. And um, it looks amazing. It looks like it would just spur your creativity, you know, into the red. Like you'd just be so inspired just by being there. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, if you want to, like, it would just push you to be the best you can. Yeah. You know, you, and and that, but that's what I'm saying, that similarity of what, you know, Melbourne was 25, 30 years ago, it's got mm. that to it. You know, I was having yep. a conversation with someone about that today and, you know, they've got like Music Row is, you know, miles on, you know, I think it's 16th and 17th up and down that are just publishing companies, labels, like Scott Paquetta's wow. a label, there's ASCAP, there's BMI, there's CSAC, there's, you know, singing schools, there's – it's incredible. You know, they have apartment complexes here that they build on the row where they have studios as part of the facility that you can book them out to go on recording. Right. <laughs> Think about Crazy. that. Like, yeah, that, yeah. You know, that is the attention to the culture and the heart and soul of the city. 
Yeah. Um, it's phenomenal. It's just, you know, I, every day I'm here, I just, I'm grateful, bro. I'm like, I just, you know, I've got this wonderful group of incredible friends and musicians that, you know, it's all about, you know, I don't, pretty much every one of my friends here is a musician or an artist of some form, yeah. you know, and it's super, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a community, you know? Yep. Um, so what, what would it be like, you know, if someone like myself just moved there, you know, in a month or so, uh, trying to get some gigs and, you know, just trying to get into the scene, like, would that be an easy thing to just get some gigs or is it hard? Uh, because could, you, Um, you could definitely, um, without, I mean, the bluebird on Monday night is like an open mic sort of night. We're not talking yep. open mic. Like, you know, you have to think like get in line for two hours, you know, register, do all that. There's, um, certain things like that you can do, but you know, it's definitely a town that's long-term, yep. you know, if you're going to come to Nashville, um, you know, there's a great APRA rep here, Mark Moffat, who's just right. been the biggest champion of Australian writers and artists. Um, he's always connecting Australian writers, artists, but it's not a come here for three months or six months and think something's going to happen because that's not yeah. going to happen. Like yeah. don't, it, it's, it's a long-term mindset and yeah. this city, you know, you, you have to earn your stripes. Yeah. It's like, you don't just book a bunch of gigs in Melbourne. If you haven't got any experience, you have to do the work, you yeah. know, you have to play the tough gigs. You have to learn your craft. You have to get good at your craft and then you find your tribe and your people and you team up and you, start playing around town or let's go play at Northcote social club or the SB or, you know, wherever it is and, you know, earn your stripes, do cover gigs, do band gigs, you know, it's the same here. It's no different, mm. but it's yep. definitely the heart of the city with, you know, there's just so many great venues and it's just about the songs. Yeah, Like this cool. city is about, it's about the music, you know, and that's, you know, if I drop dead tomorrow and be like, I'm, so glad I got to live in Nashville and experience that and be in writer's nights, you know, songwriter yep. rounds where you're like, <clears throat> you believe that person wrote that song and there's a bunch of people that come to Nashville to experience that. And like the TV show sort of was a big part, like I guess a big part of that. It definitely helped the city expand, you know, you know, huge, you know, people are like, I want to go to the bluebird. I want to see that area where, you know, they lived or, you know, like East Nashville is like Fitzroy, Brunswick Street, Norfolk yep. sort of vibe, you know, but it's not big, you know, it's not this huge conglomerate or area. It's, you know, it's, it's little pockets and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a couple of bars here and a couple of cool restaurants there. And, you know, but that's the vibe, you know, you can go anywhere and experience anything of, of that, you know, Whereas yeah. if you're living on the other side, it's more like families and kiddos and, okay. you know. So I've sort of lived everywhere. I've lived downtown, east. I've lived in south in Bellevue. Like I've, I've been, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, okay. So obviously in your um, group, there's a lot of collaborating with songwriting going on. Is that a general Absolutely. thing in Nashville? Like everyone sort of... There's a lot of uh, people just getting together, even if it's just for a couple of a uh, couple of songs and just 100%. collaborating. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. This town is about collaboration. I mean, you can just yeah. be an artist or a band. 
you know, go play the OG Basement East and do a show or, you know, you can be someone that's just, you know, a professional writer that, you know, has two songwriting sessions five days a week, yep. you know, and your job is to write the best song you can in that three to four hour period. Yep. You know, you come in with, hey, I've got this little melody idea. Here's what I think I want to write about lyrically. Like here's a, and that's something that's huge here is just the concept of what you want to write about. Okay. Um, and I, I love that. Yeah. Yep. But the, 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 it is a community of writers and you're not going to walk here or come here and write with the A-list writers. It's just not going to happen. You've got publishing deals. You're going to have to meet people at open mics and exchange numbers and be like, you know, do, you know, do the hard work, you know, follow yeah. up. Hey man, you're free in a couple of weeks. What does your week look like? You know, I've got Wednesday afternoon, the 19th. Can we book a ride? You know, and you'll go to their house, you'll chat for a bit, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, and then you're writing. Some people are like, just chat for five minutes, and they're like, what about this? Yeah. You know, because songs are everything here, you know. And the city's always looking for that next song that's perfect for their artist, you know. And a lot of artists, you know, there's a lot of artists that don't write their songs, you know, that there's a whole you know, team of people, you've got the label, the management, the publicist, you know, the whole process of being an artist that then you've got to try and cram in and record a record, you know, records are cut here in like four days, five days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like that, not like two, three months writing a record. Uh -uh. No, you know, our last (laughs) single was done in a day and a half. Yeah. Yep. That's good. (laughs) We might've done, I think we did one writing session, one pre-production session, <clears throat> and, yeah, the whole thing was done in a day and a half. Okay. It's like because that's why they come in. It's the best. Man, they will sit there and they will chart the song by ear with the Nashville number system, which is its own, you know, way of doing it. They'll come in. They'll be like, they'll hear it. They'll be like, right, it's in E major. It's a five, four, one, two. You know, but it's not like major, 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 minor. It's not like that for people that want to look up the national number system, which is just how it works here. But they will chart it. They'll, right. they'll go through because they do that many sessions a week that they'll well, be like, all right, F sharp minor, two to the six to the four, you know, back to that, go on the tonic, on the chorus, yep. you know, like, and they'll write it out and maybe like, can you just play me that second chorus one more time? They'll go in and cut it in two or three takes. Okay. Well, that's, that's the level of talent in this city. Yeah. That is yep. how good you have to be. Like it's, you know, it's a, the, you know, some of like the greatest guitar session guitarists, you've got like Derry, Derek Wells and Sean Tubbs, who's one of my favorite guitarists of all times. Mm. You know, these are the best players in Nashville. You know, besides like the the artists, you know, these are the guys that are session gurus. There'll be those five to ten bass players, the five to ten drummers, the five to ten guitarists, you know, that that are working all the time. They're going in and cutting a record and they'll just do it. Then you've got like the huge producers now, like so many great producers. You've got, you know, Dave Cobb to you know, a million other great producers that are based here now, you know. All right, and we're back. Had a bit of a dropout on Skype there. As, as they do. 
Uh, so we were talking about session players in uh, in Nashville. Yeah, it was just like the whole process of recording here is, you know, it's it's just incredible the level of talent. You know, it's the yeah. same like whether, you know, some of the like incredible guitarists here, like it's mind-blowing what these people are. I think before we cut out, we're talking like, you know, there's the go-to five or ten um, drummers that, you know, do all the session work, the five, ten bass players, the guitarists, the, the, the you know, the everyone, you know, the great penis key players, you know, that come in and literally chart a song one more time, you know, listen to the song once, chart it out on the national number system and then go in and play it and try and get two or three takes. That is how, that is like for people in Australia that are like, what's the level of talent? It's like you're talking the level of talent where you did your minimum 10,000 hours to be that good. Not like, hey, I can sing and I should be a star. No, 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 no. These people are experts at what they do professional like, yeah. yeah not near enough is good enough like like jaw-dropping good yeah they know so, every part of their gear they know what amp to bring what guitar selection to bring what pedals to bring they're always early they're always ready to go you're like all right downbeat first downbeat at 10 a.m or noon they are there they are ready to go they are prepared every yeah, time yeah. you know and so, they just um, punch it out you know, but it's that's the caliber mm. of talent. You know, does that mean the uh, that Nashville also churns out a lot of people that aren't quite up to that level? You know, they might come with uh, with big dreams. You know, obviously good players, but not not good enough to maybe be able to stay there and make a mark like some of these top professionals can. Well, with that, you know, that last thing we were talking about is, you know, the calibre of talent in Nashville. And, the, you know, the, it's a great question now. You're talking about that. I think any city's going to do that. Yeah. When I lived in LA, I saw LA chew up and spit people out. Manhattan does yeah. that. Yeah, Jeez. I've heard LA like, and New York does it, but I was yeah. wondering. No, well, I don't think it's, like, it's not like this dog-eat-dog thing. It's just... If, you know, if you persist with your craft and you want to excel at your craft, you're obsessed with your craft. Yeah. You're always like, what can I learn? What can I do? How can I improve? You know, it's like it's like someone saying they're, you know, they're going to the Olympic Games and then just sort of being like, ah, oh, I might practice on Thursday for an hour this week. That's not going to work. No. You know, what's going to work is – you know, hours and hours of practice and diligence and, you know, like pushing yourself and going into scenarios you're unfamiliar with, you know, yep. and, and, and learning how can, I, how can I excel? How can I be better? What can I do? What is this, you know, like learn from the best. Yeah, because there's guaranteed to be someone else who's training yep. so much harder than you. Yeah. Uh, so you can't really expect to be able to compete against that person when you're training half the time they are, I guess. Yeah, and it's like the balance. If it's like that's mm-hmm. truly what you want, then go and do it. You know, yeah. like go and give everything. You know, it's, you know, and it's, I guess it's hard for like, you know, people listening to come and think about how would I go overseas? I didn't know. Yeah. 11, 12 years ago, I didn't know I'd end up working in an industry that, and working for people that I've worked for. I never knew that would happen. I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, it's just like just try and go for it. And if it doesn't work, you'll never go, oh, geez, I'm, I'm angry at myself for trying. 
know? Yeah. Like, so, why not do it? Like, why not just be like, all right, I'm going to figure out how to do this all and give it everything. Yeah. So was that behind your decision to make the move from Australia to the US because you wanted to step it up a notch uh, Actually, and do a little bit more? Give it a well, crack. At, at the time, I was in one of an old band that I was in, so it was really more about coming over as all of the band moved to America. Oh, right. Okay. What band was so, that? Oh, uh, man, I think we started coming end of 06, 07, and then, oh eight, you know, on in and out, 08, and then we sort of moved here early 09. And I, I, it, it wasn't my motivation. My motivation was for the music and the band and doing it, but it wasn't. That wasn't my direct motivation. Isn't just answering your question. I wasn't coming here in that form. You know, I was just in a project at the time that I believed in, and I gave it everything. So it's the same thing, but it wasn't me trying to push myself. That's been from leaving that band and right. then pushing myself to do other things. You know, like. I left a band in the middle of a record deal in the middle of touring and cause I just, I wasn't happy, you yeah. know, it wasn't, it wasn't right for me. And then going, what am I going to do now? And I still love music. And then I started producing and writing for other artists and then lucky enough to have songs that went to like number one over here. And, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that, you know, and uh-huh. everything that I learned doing that, bro, I remember opening logic and literally being like, how do you work this? <laughs> That's what I've been doing with this podcast with Reaper. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. So it's been, yeah, starting yeah. from scratch, basically. Yeah, and how do you, how do, how do, how do, well, the question is type it in Google yep. or ask someone. Yes. That's what I've been doing. So, and and it's there, you know. Yeah. And then if you don't know it, you just sort of the, the old fake it till you make it sometimes. Yep. Yep. And just be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I believe that you know, I can at least try and that I'm, you know, I'm a lot of the time people don't think they're good enough to do something and they take in that mentality and, yep. you know, the, the craziness between me writing and so I, I, I wrote a song with the artist. He was on The Voice here. Um, he got off The Voice. He came to my apartment in LA. We wrote the song, recorded it produced it, engineered and mixed it within like four days, released it, and within 12 hours it went to number one at iTunes. Oh, well. <laughs> Do you know Crazy. what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Like, and I was sitting there going, I'm not good enough to mix this. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? What do I know? And there it was. You know, it's like it was just you tried and it was either going to work or it wasn't, mm. you know, and then going and then – Next thing I know, like, I mean, moved to Nashville and then I'm getting asked to fly to Seattle to produce a record for a band that's just signed to a label out there and the Foo Fighters had just been in at Robert Lang's recording the Sonic Highways and then I walk in two days later starting work on a record with guys that are in huge bands that have sold millions of records and I'm like, what the am I <laughs> doing here working with these guys? You know <laughs> But I got to work with those people and what you learn and the yeah. the collaboration and, you know, just backing other people in. Like the engineer and I ended up co-producing it by the end because we were a team. Yep. You know, he's one of like he's like a brother to me, you know, still six years later. 
you know, and it's like he was excellent at engineering and we recorded to tape and, you know, we had to develop this sound and this band was just by like going, okay, well, if it didn't work, they would have just got me a flight and I would have been back on the plane Mm. and just back to Nashville and being like, oh, well, I sucked at that, you know. Like if everyone that's been, has nothing to do with me because I don't think I've been in any way successful. I just, I've just tried, you know, Mm. the people that are super successful have just, gone and gone and gone and like you just got to try and see what happens you know put your foot forward and see what happens yeah man when i i ended up you know the last couple of years i've been to a tour manager like for legends you know what i mean and that was just knowing someone here that was like man you'd be really a couple of buddies like you should do that and i'm like really okay well i guess i toured forever and i used to run all the band affairs so I guess I can do it. Yeah. And then, and then you know, 320 shows later, two and a half years, oh, 20 wow. plus tours around the world. Like I'm in the middle of Switzerland trying to figure something out, you know, and that's just purely from just going, all right, I'll figure it out, you know, mm. and just backing, like just back yourself in. Like if yep. you fail, who gives two shits? Well, obviously, people backed you as well. You know, they had faith in you to give you or suggest that you do these things. And yeah, um, so which is a, a big hat tip to you, obviously. So, and then you and, believed and, in yourself as well. And you've got to like just work your backside off, man. Yeah. You've got to go in and just work and work and work and work and work. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm out there working 18 to 20 hours a day for months on end. My, my beard wasn't grey two years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I earned <laughs> well, it looks cool. Hair. It looks you know, cool. You, you get to work around legends and see their habits. Yeah. You get to see the habits of why these people are great at what they do. And, man, they are all pros. They're yeah. not, they do not want to be late on stage. Like mm. they want everything to work like a well-oiled machine. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't because of weather, because of technical problems, because a console went down, because the power went out at the venue, someone's sick, you've got a medical emergency. That's just life on the road. All right. Sorry, folks. Scott, uh, Skype dropped out on us again, and um, but we're back again. So, um what I wanted to talk to you a bit more about Todd was, um, yeah, collaboration. So I guess comparing when you grew up in Melbourne on the scene to where you are now in Nashville, um, did you find the collaborative thing was similar in Melbourne to what it is in Nashville or is it much more collaborative in Nashville? It's a hundred percent collaboration here and you know everyone if they're just doing a band and they want to write and be together as an act and 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 do their version of their art that way that's fine but definitely everything you know it's the, the strength of the city is the collaboration the community you know people that work together all the time that 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 you know are great together they you know accentuate each other's strengths and talents and i that's so important i mean I think Melbourne for me when I was growing up was like, you know, you know, it was the go and learn to play and being a, you know, cover band and start to write songs like old school bands do in the garage. But, you know, I know that when I was growing up, you know, there's a point why I think collaboration is so incredible or you could even call it like 
learning, like from like a mentor. Um, I know that when I was doing it, we were really lucky that um, we had people like Jason Singh from Taxi Ride, who was incredibly generous to us when we were growing up. He was showing us what he'd learned from the art of um, songwriting and working with big producers and in big studios. And, you know, we were just, you know, we were so green. You yeah. know, it was like 2001 or 2000, like around that era. And he was so generous with his time and taught us so much and co-wrote a bunch of songs with us and produced a bunch of stuff and really for nothing, you know, mm. um, it was just, a, you know, he was just super generous. So I think that like, collaborating with other people is important because even if you go and collaborate with something and it doesn't work, there's always something that you learned in that session. So like collaboration is so important because you're learning collaboration in where it's like a mentor thing or a producer thing is like, you're still learning. You're like, Oh, I never thought about rewriting the chorus like that. Or Mm -hmm. I never thought about defining the lyric. I never thought about, the structure. I never thought about the editing of the song. I never thought about maybe let's do it like a version like this. Let's do this stripped back acoustic version. That's better than the version that we recorded. That would be great. And maybe not just have the same goddamn sound on every song. Mm. Uh, so collaboration is it, it, that collaboration and, and that learning from your peers and learning from the best you know, I think we were discussing off the call before or even when we were on the call about you know, want to be, you know, a great real estate agent and go and intern or be an assistant for the great real estate agent. It's like why, why isn't that paramount in music? I know I've seen stuff where APRA is trying to do some mentorship programs and conferences and stuff, which is really great, you know, that if there's artists in Melbourne or Sydney or, you know, Toowoomba or Tamworth or Perth or whatever that they can go to an event and learn. Like the U S does that with like ASCAP. It's got that um, music conference that they do in LA every March or April where you can go and you can listen to panelists and they talk about their process and you learn like the, the key to getting better at anything or defining your craft is learning from other people. You're not just yeah. going to, it's only so much you can learn watching videos, but if you go to a music teacher and they're like, have you thought about it doing like this or learning another instrument or putting the guitar in different tuning is going to lead to something else. Yeah. And that's, that's what's so important, you know? Um, but I think Melbourne was growing up was definitely that get in a band, do covers, go play gigs, write originals. Like I'd love to see, you know, and it's, it's sort of frustrating for me that what I grew up with doesn't really exist anymore. Mm. That like everywhere you go, there's a band or something. It's just not like that anymore. And maybe that's just where the art, but the art is everything. Art defines culture. People still mm. talk about, you know, say something new in the States, like Hamilton is a sensation, you know, as, as a Broadway play that's now going everywhere. Um, but that's art. People talk yeah. about art. People talk about the grunge movement. It changed society. We wore different mm. clothes. Yeah. Um, we would know every Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden lyric, every melody, um, and, you know, the Black Album and Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction or In Excess, Kick, you know, those records that defined mm. and they exploded. That's art, you know. Yeah. Like that's what we're missing is that art and that collaboration that, you know, they're taking funding out of schools in the States for art 
and music is disgusting. You know, it's like that's so wrong on every level. It's like, hey, we're cutting funding to this. Why? Mm. Why? So people can't like be the best version of themselves, create. How do we know if we're not putting that art program in school or that music um, program in school that we're not creating the next John Lennon, the next Picasso, yeah. the next Beethoven? Because, you know, it's, it, it's proven scientifically that what music helps in development with children and learning disabilities and autism and all those things that can be so much better, like the, the, what it does to a human psyche is mm. just incredible, you know, like mm. it's, you know, it should, it should be art should just be paramount in society to me because yeah. people love it. whatever it is, well, theatre, music, musicals, plays, movies, live concerts, whatever it is, people mm. love it. They, they cannot wait to go and see that show. Well, you know, it's a positive thing, isn't it? It's a positive. It it's positive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so important and we're just like cutting it down. We just keep on cutting down funding to kids. It's like, mm -hmm. man, it's like someone learning the piano when they're a kid and then what that can lead on to, you know, yeah. like it's crazy what it can do for like development and learning languages and, you know, just being this incredible version of yourself. And it's just, dude, it's like, it's crazy that I just, I, that just irks me when I mm. see that. You know, it's so you important. Know. You know. And that piano student, you know, that person that you're talking about who got lessons, she may yeah. not go on to sell, you know, 100 million records or be this famous person, but the piano might be that thing that she turns to in her personal life when yeah, things go to shit that just, yeah. you know, uh, she turns to it, she gets out, um, it just becomes a little crutch and that just yeah. saves her from going down the rabbit hole to something negative, you know, um, 100%. it could be as simple as that. We might never know yeah. who she is. We probably yeah, won't, can, but you know, when you're like super upset and you put on that song, say you've broken up with a chick yeah. right, and your relationship's <laughs> ended and you're devastated yeah. and you put on that love song or that yeah. breakup song and you're just howling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bro, like uh, how many times have we all done that in our lives? Yeah. Like it's, it, it's, it's just everything, you know, like that art to me is everything and I, I love it. Like I need it in my life, you know. Yeah. Seeing like but, we were talking about before, people have just like got their heads down and just in their yeah. phones. I'm like, what are you learning from doing that? Mm. You know, it's like don't you want to learn? Don't you want to get better? Don't you want to create? And like I, I, I just think it's so important, you know. Those songs like, save you in those moments. Yeah, they do. Man, music and, saved my life like, yeah, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, yeah. so many times. Yeah. Like it's whether working out to the gym and you want to listen to Anthrax because you're pumping weights or you're in a really melancholy, sad, you know, somewhat anxiety, depressive state and you listen to this like self-help podcast that helps you. Like so important because we're all craving mm -hmm. that connection and to heal and be happy and, you know, music and art and is just so much a part of that. You know, it's, mm. it's, hey, let's watch this show that's, you know, about something or a documentary and you're just fascinated and riveted and you're happy. Like, yeah, it's just really, I think it's just really paramount. You know, I think it just gets cut down now with like 
you know, the shit that they put on TV, you know. It's like here's a bunch of people trying to, like, act a certain way in front of a camera and let's get them drunk. I'm like, oh, my God, you can just go to the pub and see that. You know what yeah, I mean? I know. And people tune into that stuff, like housewives and all this rubbish, married at first sight. It's like, why do we need this Yeah, um, on TV? Who, who watches this? But people do. I'm like. I think it's an escape. I think people yeah. are trying to escape from their reality and their unhappiness where it's like, actually, it's your responsibility for your happiness. It's, mm. you know, if something happened to you, sure, it's not your fault that it ha- that may have happened to you, but it's goddamn your responsibility to fix it. Yeah. Or you can just sit in victim mentality and let mm. that person have all the power or you can be like, yeah. okay, no, well, you know, if you're sitting at home and escaping and you're unhappy about something, and change. Do something mm. different, you know, like mm. just get out of that. That's why people have watched that stuff. They, they don't like their job. They don't, they're unhappy in a relationship. They're unhappy with the way they look. They're unhappy with their finances and don't do anything about it. Yep. But I guess that's, yeah. That's where music comes in for me, you know, whether yeah. it's as a listener or, or a songwriter. Um, yeah. yeah. Going back to what we said before about, you know, those songs you listen to in times of heartbreak or whatever, um, yeah. you know, you also write songs in, in times like that and, for me, I hope those songs that I write can help someone in their time of um, yeah. heartbreak or whatever. You know, that's and where that's, music is just unmatchable, it, really. Yeah, it's, bro, it's a gift. It's such a yeah. gift that, you know, yeah. you can transform that that emotion into a song and someone is like, this has helped me. You know, the amount of times I've listened to podcasts or albums or stuff where, you know, you see these people like, this song saved my life, this advice saved my life you know and that's like just like we all just need to help each other and stop being a fucking prick you know and just be nice to someone you know like you just don't know like you know and work on yourself you know don't take it out on other people like there's so like go on for hours about that because i'm so in i've always been into that i think it's so important you know that you just figure out what it's your responsibility to figure out your shit you know Mm. Yeah, you know, and there's always the always just take the positive out of the negative, man. Because really, it, it it just ends up not being a negative. Mm, there's always a positive there, I think, if you really, you know, really look for it and um, allow it to be there. Yeah, I yeah, hundred percent. I think it's important to to choose to look at it that way because it's still a mm. choice, you know. Mm. Um, it's still a choice. I don't know what, why I've, I've thought that way for a really, really long time. Um, it's hard for me to like always be in that mindset because you have to check in about that. But man, when you, when you make the decision to do that, the changes are just so incredibly drastic. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's just so much passion and love and that music and art does for us. I'm just, I wish just everyone, you know, that feeling, you know, I think we were talking before off air about like just like what something can do for you, yeah. how it can help you, you know, and that's our responsibility as creators and artists is to do that and to try, you know, and okay, well, it wasn't the biggest song in the world, but if, man, I've got to tell you this story. So <laughs> I was down with friends in Ocean Grove and, um, 
a very, very, with very awesome dear friends of mine and a buddy of theirs came in and works in the police force. And he was just telling me about that last song that we released with the wolves with, I won't be around. He was showing it to a work colleague, a lady that had truly, you know, thought that her relationship with her partner was over. Like their marriage was over and it separated and, Nathan is like, man, I want you to listen to this song, you know, being like, we've been through all this stuff and if we keep down this path, it's done. I'm not going to be around. I won't be around. I'm not going to put up with that. You can do all that. And she heard it and literally started breaking down and called her husband and was like, I want to, can I see you tonight? Can I talk about this? They then went on to basically end up getting back together and a piece of art that was for truly Chuck and I wrote it for us to make peace with what had happened with our long, you know, Chuck had been with his, you know, would been with our exes for a long time. Like mine was like five or six years and Chuck's was like 10 or 11 years. And, you know, we just wanted to put like a full stop for us, but it, someone received it as in, like I said, if it helps one person, then mm. the process and the, and the, and the honesty of that art, resonates with someone and they literally are now back together right but chuck and i were writing it for us to heal yeah and if that connection is within the music and you put the heart and the soul and the honesty into it and it affects someone else's life and even we texted joe um joe west about it and he's like man that made my day yeah telling them the story about you know, someone like that, what art does, what that connection does, what that healing process can be and what it can do is mm. that's what it's all about. You know, like that's, it's, it's what it's, it's about. amazing. It's just so real that, uh, oh, yeah, it's un- undescribable really. It is. It's that's like hearing Adele's 20, was it the 25 record where it was like, bro, she was hating so much <laughs> her ex and everyone got it because it was so real <laughs> yeah you know like I i'm, hope I'm sure he got it else, too you know someone else like you like all those songs and those lyrics are like yeah. wow you know it's like it's incredible like it was so real you know that's why that record was huge yeah you know like massive yeah and that's what i i i'm hoping music trends back in towards the direction of real artistry, whatever genre, you know, mm-hmm. if you hip hop, great. If you're acoustic, great. If you're R&B, if you're soul, if you're whatever, but it's just getting back to the true core of the emotion mm-hmm. of the, the, the connection of the music is dude. That's like my whole life is just, you know, I can listen to one song and, it, and you know, remember the first time I got like hair on my, my hairs on my arms stood right up. I think it was like Rubina by Joe Satriani. Like hearing that song the first time when you have that emotion, you're like, oh, my God, this is affecting my soul, my being, and you're like, holy, wow, you know, like that's that's everything to me, mm. you know, like that connection is everything. So I hope we're heading in that direction. I am going to choose to believe that we are, you know. Yep. I'm going to choose to believe there's a bunch of young kids now that are like, I want to, you know, when people learn guitar, mm. that they're still learning Hendrix, that they're yeah. still learning Metallica, <laughs> yeah, that they're yeah. still learning Nirvana, Guns yeah. N' Roses. They're not learning current songs. 
Or that, like, it's funny, you know, a buddy, Ron Lee, who's got Ron Lee's Music Factory, if anyone out there, go see Ron. He's Ron and Toby at Ron Lee's the best people. He was saying to me that, like, when Vance Joy sort of exploded, that everyone wanted to buy ukuleles. I'm like, what? Really? And he's like, man, I, sometimes I can't keep up with mm. how many – because someone sees it, it's real – it's an instrument. It's got that honesty and emotion and people are drawn to it and they want to do it. Yeah. You know, like that's where I believe it's heading, you know? So the example of all those kids learning guitar, like now kids are like drawn to like ukuleles and those artists and you're just like awesome, you know, like great. Like you're learning an instrument. You like, it's the best thing ever, you know? So I just hope we're heading there that, you know, we just get this incredible, artists like another whatever like a john mayer who's a, a, a prodigious talent and songwriter i hope there's a kid that grew up listening to john mayer that's the next john mayer yeah. or someone that's the next gary clark jr or someone that's the next adele or like i want to see that i want to see that at like the top of the charts everyone like going oh my god this is this is a real again you know yeah. like i i love that you know, like yep. I, I love that emotion and passion. That's just how I am. Well, it's amazing how everyone goes back to Hendrix and, you know, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, all that stuff. Like, because yeah. it's just so real and uh, it was just so good and it's still so good. And that's why it's going to be played in 50 years' time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Hendrix is always probably going to be the, the number one guitarist of all time, you know, in all the yeah. polls. Yeah. Um, no one's no one's going to knock him off the top there because just can't, you know. Yeah. He was just just the best, and um, you know he at the time that he came along, um, it's just not going to ever change. So, which is pretty no, incredible. It's, and it's like hearing a Sabbath riff. You yeah, no, it's a Sabbath riff. You hear yeah. people's <laughs> melody. You're like they strum that first chord in Hard Day's Night. You know what yep. it is. Yeah, you know, like those things are like. Like I, I just want to see a whole new generation of artists come in and be like, we want to be the next Beatles. We want to be the next Led Zeppelin. We want to be the next In Excess, Silverchair, you know, whoever, like that they want to like, you know, change culture and society and art with that stuff. Like I, I want people to do that. And I guess that whole reality television thing sort of had its time for, you know, the last 15 so years. I think when we start getting away from it being about, entertainment and art i think we're on you know like i think stuff can really change i think you know there's only so many seasons of talent and singing competitions you know that, that it's been done that maybe we're just going to go to a new stage where maybe it's a show about learn development you know like this is like all these kids on a journey of this is when they started playing acoustic and here's where they are and here's this penis at seven years old and how incredible they are at 10. You're like, let's, I want to, and people will like just be fascinated with that learning instead of mm. it just being this production of like, all right, cool. Yay. Everyone votes and thank you. And throw you out with the trash. The chairs spin around and the buzzer goes, you know, yeah, like on the voice and stuff. I can't knock that because that gave me my first hit song in America. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. On the voice. So I understand yeah. the power of it. You know, I can't mm. knock that. Like, I'm, I just want it to be 
I'm not knocking it. What I'm saying is I want it to go to the stage where it's just about that passion and emotion and the next Led Zeppelin, the next In Excess, the next Beatles, the next Sabbath, the next Adele. Like I want it to, like that's what I'm passionate about is seeing that again. You know, and even here, man, with Stapleton, like he was a, a hit songwriter in Nashville for Eons and then he got up, did that performance with Justin Timberlake and, you know, he goes from, that you know sort of relative obscurity but like incredible respect and admiration in nashville to being a global sensation yeah. you know and he's so talented and so pure and so raw and man he's selling out stadiums and arenas you know why because people are drawn to it yeah you know and then some time like letting some artists develop and letting them find their feet and their and and their sound and backing them in you know like A&R's development you know, like mm. let back them in, support them, let them become this iconic talent. Mm. Not like, oh, you had a single and okay, it didn't work. See you next. What? Yeah. It's a throwaway society. So if you're expecting uh, like this iconic new talent, it's not going to come from, it, we're going to like put that support behind it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that structure and support and finance to back people in to end up being that talent that they can be, you know. Yeah, it does take development, doesn't it? Like, you know, a lot of the bands that we grew up on, it didn't, like they might have been touring and stuff and having good records, but they didn't quite hit their mark maybe straight away, you know. Aerosmith released how many albums in the 70s and yeah. we're doing well. Um, but then, you know, the 80s or the mid to late 80s came along and that's when they probably really hit their commercial peak and had this new sound and they're still around 50 years later. Yeah. I mean, look at Farnham. You know what I mean? They thought he was over and then that whispering Jack just, that's the first concert I went to at the glass house. Ah, Farnham was my first concert too. Man, (laughs) incredible. You know what I mean? We went up and we were little kids and he's giving us high fives. I'm like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Look at him. He's so a legend. He's a freaking national treasure, but like yeah. he looked like he was over. And like we were talking about before, like Wheatley put his ass on the line for that guy mm. and backed him in. And he'd done the work and he'd been a solo artist and LRB and all that stuff. And it's like, imagine someone didn't back him in. Imagine yeah. Wheatley didn't back him in. Imagine, yeah. you know, that they didn't have Touch of Paradise on that record. Mm. Which is that classic thing. I think it got added at the last minute from what I can recall from the stories um, mm. that, you know, you can read online. But that song was, like, defined like a, an entire, like, how long was that song and record on the charts for? Yeah, you know, ages. So, yeah, ages. But, like, it's backing it in. No yeah. one was backing him in. Every story of every successful act is preceded, you know, you know that they, everyone told them no. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know how many people know that story too of like what they actually had to do to get that album off the ground and made. I don't know if a lot of people know that they just sort of take him for granted now that you know he's he's been around the block, he's done his uh, farewell tour, but he keeps touring again. Well, the guy can still sing and he still and people still love him. That's why. Yeah, he's incredible. It's like you know, I'm like. That's what it takes is someone's got to back in, you know, because sometimes yeah. you just need a help and a team around you to help you mm. get to that next point. 
that next yeah. stage, that next step. So it's so important, you know, and it's like imagine the bands that we didn't have if there wasn't someone backing them in and letting them mm. make mistakes and developing and like, you know, saying Aerosmith, there was a stage where it was like, oh, don't think yeah. they're going to make it. And then yeah. they went nuclear, yeah. you know, and are still touring to this day. Yeah. You know, Tyler's still a weapon, you know, like Joe okay. Perry, yeah. icon of, you yep. know, talent. Look at the Stones. Yep. You know, like, and look at Mick and Keith up there just killing it, <laughs> crushing and the, it. And the bands they've inspired, you know, like yeah. Aerosmith with Guns N' Roses, like Joe Perry and Slash. Yeah. Uh, it's just endless. Yeah, it's 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 so important. Like I just I, yeah. I hope that just becomes paramount again. You mm. know, people like a lot of it's just become short term thinking, short term gain where it's like, no, 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 you always do it with that long term goal. I think it's I think it can change drastically. Mm. You know, if it's a it's a long term vision. It, it, you know, you, you just can't be like, Well, nothing's happened, I'm just gonna give up. Well, okay. Yeah. You know, well, well, thanks for coming. Sorry, didn't try. <laughs> Next, <laughs> next. You're not maybe yeah. not where you're meant to be yet because you haven't done the hard work. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your your time, Todd, and your honesty, your wisdom, um, yeah. and congratulations on all your success um, and future success. No doubt with the White Wolves and everything else you're going to do over in Nashville. Um, I'm stoked that I got the chance to talk to you. Um, yeah, I'm sure everyone that's pleasure. listening is enjoying it as well. Yeah. Um, there's so much more to talk about. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you just, you know, you sort of, I, you know, whatever I, you know, whatever I can maybe know that I've learned that helps someone else, bro. It's like, that's, you're meant to do that. You meant, you've got to give back. Like mm. I said, like, you know, people that taught me 20 years ago, you know, I, you know, I want to know that the things that they taught me that I learned more stuff that, you know, you can give some back and maybe that knowledge helps them go, oh, I never thought about that, you yeah. know. Thank you so much for, for sharing everything and um, pleasure yeah, for being it. honest. Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to, to do that. Like, it's it's so important. Well, uh, love to chat with you again maybe in a couple of months, you know, once you've got yeah. the, the next record underway and yeah. touch touch base again. And, um, yeah, maybe um, listeners can shoot through some questions for for a chat, you know, in a few months. And uh, maybe oh, I'm sure people have got lots of questions for you. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm happy to just ask whatever, you know, like I'm happy to, yeah. happy to answer anything to the, you know, to whatever I can, you know. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for your time. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, go and check out the White Wolves. I'll, I'll chuck in some links in the show notes, as I always do, um, and go and check out what Todd's up to with the White Wolves and other projects that I'm sure you're involved in as well. So, yeah, yeah thanks. thanks so much for your time. Pleasure to be here, Craig. Thank you, my friend, for having me. No worries. Until next time. <laughs>